It's good to know nothing changes. <laughs> Welcome that, back to it. And that every day it's always different. Hundred and four. I got the number because I listened to you guys talk about frozen avocados. Hello, JJ and Michael. Welcome back. Hey, Andrew. <laughs> I think that one, I now know more about crosswords than I ever wanted to know. You're welcome. Yeah, yeah exactly. Congrats. And two, <laughs> Your conversation about a frozen avocado popsicle sandwich, whatever the heck that thing is from Disneyland. <laughs> did, did you click on the link? I yeah. Um, my 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 takeaway from this is that my previous in, inclinations that form factor matters in deciding whether something's a crime is now one hundred percent proven true. <laughs> I thought you were about to say, every day we stray further from God's light. (laughs) (laughs) If this were sliced instead of on a stick, I think you might think it was some sort of very interesting version of guacamole. Right. Like, is this like modern art food? Like, totally. Right. But on a stick, you look at it and you're like, this is not edible. Just, yeah. And the pictures of like... Imagine taking a chomp out of that, you know? Yeah, just like a honking bite where your teeth marks are left in it. And it's cold. Yeah, I think that's the thing, is the temperature. I think that's what we settled on as being the real thing that made it just all very weird. Again, pico de gallo is generally cold anyway. And so, like, if you... And the crema and all that. So, if you, instead of thinking about picking this up and having to eat it like some sort of weird lick to the center of the Tootsie Roll pop versus if it were sliced on the plate and you're like, ooh, what is this fancy mousse? Or you cut it into slices and just put it on top of chips. Done. <laughs> like, yeah. just make the thing that is good that people like <laughs> instead of trying to be weird. They were too, what's the line? They were too busy wondering if they could. To yeah, want, not to if, they should. if they should. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> Thank you, Ian Malcolm, for the endless wisdom. Oh, I don't uh, have a lot of food to report from my trip. Uh, I was away on a trip to the foreign nation to us of Denmark. Not a foreign nation if you're from Denmark, I guess. Uh, shout outs to our international listeners, I guess. Sh- shout outs to the Danes, man. They they deserve a lot of clout. Uh, you know, they gave they gave the world a lot many times ago. And one thing we'll talk about later specifically and one thing we'll talk about after this comment um they have interesting food there a lot of it is world famous things like pickled herring you know mm-hmm. um, <laughs> you know bud pickled herring not so bad uh especially they like to eat it with curry i ooh, okay yeah the issue is i'm sure if i tasted it i'd probably like it yeah, it's thing, just the idea of pickled fish doesn't sound good on the face. So right? the thing is, like, a lot of... That's and this, culture, I'm sure. Yeah, so, like, cultural foods are never what they sound like. You don't just eat a popsicle of pickled herring. Right, exactly. Yeah, you know, like, <laughs> the pickled herring comes out, it goes on to very, very specifically Danish bread that they make there called Rulbrol, which is, like, this rye brown bread it's very uh it's not hard is the wrong word but it's like a very textured rye bread you know and then you put you put uh, curry on it which usually also comes with some other side stuff that's also pickled so you make these like open face uh small small roll sandwiches i think i can't remember Mm -hmm. exactly how they say that one sm Oh, with a line through it. R, R. You know, there's like a lot of letters there that I don't... I wish I could say better. Uh, sure. Yeah. But that's like a whole genre of food that pickled herring is a part of. Um, like, they also eat a version of pate called leopostai that is like pate and anchovies. 
mixed together uh, that you eat with pickled beets. And so I think the food is interesting, but it's not like uh, stuff you'd write home about. And so people pick out the stuff that is quote unquote weird, which is not actually that weird once you sit down and like see how you, they eat it, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. not a nation of food crimes in general, I would say. They are a nation of something we love, though. Lego. Yeah. Ooh. Ah, yes. I want you to picture in your mind's eye the classic Lego. Too high. Two by four rectangular brick you know what i mean okay the lego that before you said it the lego if you take six of those and put them together in any combination any way they snap together any way physically that you can attach them how many combinations do you think there are do they have to be fully secured can i have like one hanging off the edge and then like cant it at weird angles. Uh, no, they, they must be, they can't be like angled out. They have to be fully secured to another brick. Okay. Uh, and there's six of them. Yeah. The answer has to be really big. Yeah, it, it is. It's large. I'm mm, playing the I'm, wheel of fortune like, music right now. There's like, mm-hmm. There's got to be like factorial math going on here or something. It's got to be a like a hundred thousand or something, right? Okay, so bigger, uh, nine hundred million. All right, so I was wrong by a factor of <laughs> a several thousand. tens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I saw. I didn't chime in because I saw this. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, nine hundred million ish is the answer. So basically, almost a billion. Um, so when you go to the place called the Lego House, which is not really a museum and not really an amusement park, but more like, man, the discovery cube is what I would use to describe it, but that's not helpful. Really? Um, I know what you mean, but yes, I, (laughs) it's very much a tactile version of experience with actual Lego. So like Lego land is like, look, well, the crazy things we can do with Lego. Also, we got roller coasters. Um, And then there's like museums where you'd go and you'd be like, so in 1903, Lego began as the company who made wooden ducks that you then pulled along on the floor, which is true, actually. I don't know if the year's right, but they did start by making the wooden duck toy that, you know, uh, black and white photos of your great grandparents. They had it in there. Hmm. Um. This is more like, hey, kids and adults, actually, probably (laughs) um, come to the Lego house and uh, build this type of thing and stick it in the computer and watch us animate it. Or for Easter, come make eggs that we'll take pictures of and put in a giant display. Or walk through the Hall of the Masters and see what these guys made out of one Lego Technic kit, which I'm going to buy and and do now that I've seen this guy literally make everything from a flamingo to a jet out of one to Lego Technic kit. <laughs> Dang. Yeah. Like one of the $20 ones too, by the way, I have a picture of it. I will send yep. out double day. Okay. Yeah. It, it's shocking how much stuff the guy made out of it. And I'm sure most of it's not even in the book, but I took a picture of like every single one. Cause I was like, I'm going to do this. This is amazing. Um, Stuff like that is in there. There's a lot of like build your minifigure, put your minifigure in front of a thing. They also have more interesting like huge city setups where they had these like AI citizens that were begging for types of buildings like SimCity. And if you put built the building and put it on the the map, then the map would change over into uh Gosh, it's just so much stuff. You know, it's it was crazy. Um, but like at the end, very very hands on. Yeah, like. yeah, a really like an experience zone for kids. Um, Did they have a uh, a Lego maxi figure anywhere? <laughs> you mean the <laughs> April Fool's joke? 
Yeah. Uh, let me say yes is the answer to that question. Uh, there are many Legos there that are bigger than you. Nice. Um, we made Legos that you would uh, then put into like a fish tank, like digitized them into a fish tank. They swam around in schools. It was fun. It was a nice little thing to do, um, especially since Legoland is closed for the winter, quote unquote. Uh, it's spring, I know, but they don't they don't have spring there as quickly as we do. The thing uh, that uh, was interesting is at the end of it, you get six red bricks and you scan your ID badge and they give you one of the unique combinations. It's very cool. So my combination is combination 100,000 to, you know, like 257. And uh, my kids each got a different combination. My wife got a different combination. And they give you the number of the combo and a set of bricks. And that is your personal combo forever. I guess they figure by the time 900 million people come through the museum, they can start over. Yep. (laughs) Some of those 900 million will no longer be with us and they can reuse. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Very cool, man. I yeah. assume there's like a shop somewhere also. So you yeah, they have. Legos, I mean, it, of course. it's a relatively normal Lego store that's there. They have a few. Uh, I think there were three full on sets that were unique to the store. Um, quite large, actually. So we didn't buy any. I think one of them was a architect. You know how they have that architecture series where you could build like the Eiffel Tower or the. I don't know, the Coliseum, mm-hmm. the smaller ones, not the big one. Yeah. So they had one where you could build the building. They had one of the wooden duck that actually worked if you pulled it. And they had one of the injection molding machines they used to make Legos. So you could like build that stuff and it was all semi-functional. Um, and, you know, other things, that you know, like keychains and all sorts of little unique stores there too. Yeah. Fun little spot. I suggest if people were like, I'm going to fly to Denmark and go to Legoland. Don't skip it. It's right there next to Lego. They're all, they own the town of Buland. It's everything there is Lego. They don't, it's, you might as well do all of it. There's a museum separate from that. There's you know all sorts of cool. You can fly there. You can fly right into that town if you want to. We didn't go there for that only. We were there for many other things. Uh, they make pretty good beer in that country, I'll tell you. Oh yeah, nice. Just just in general. And what uh, uh, is there any particular style that's a specialty over there? They're really into. Oh god, I'm going to say it wrong. Um, I think it's Posca beer. It's P A with an O over it. S K E. I think it's Posca. I might get that wrong. I'm trying really hard. I promise. Um, okay. We're not Danish speakers. I know, but my wife is. And so, uh, I'm trying, (laughs) uh, the word though means Easter. And just like, um, Oktoberfest, I don't know if it's true with other countries, but the Danes make every Danish brewery makes a Puska beer, an Easter beer, I guess. And so we were there right in the heat of all the Easter beers coming out. And that was fun. That's so, cool. you know, the names, you know, Carlsberg and McKellar and all those have them. But also all the names you don't know, like Ebeltoft Brewing and Eru uh, Brewing and all these other ones. But the, you know how we have like the craft movement. They also have the craft movement there. But they've had it for a while longer, and so it's kind of already settled down into, like, everybody just chill and make relaxed beers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, That's cool, though. I mean, they half have, like, the, uh, good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Half the time, you could drive by a brewery and never even see it. It's not like here, where you've got huge neon signs and little giant lines out the front all the time and all that sort of stuff. Right. You like know? You're- there's a lot of breweries that don't have giant signs and lines out the front, I want to say. But, like, you know, the biggest ones, of course, do. Yeah. Even I think some of the smaller that's ones. That's super cool, though. Yeah. I think that's super cool. They make good beer there. Yeah. Um, I know with travel, uh, I didn't have a ton of time to play games because I had to be on a plane with children, and that required attention. 
so I managed to sneak some stuff onto my phone. Uh, uh, JJ, Michael, I'm mm-hmm. sorry, but you're going to have to participate in this. Uh-uh. JJ. Yes, hello. You're responsible for this because I told you my favorite number was 33. So lights out. Let's go racing. Oh, Max <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, he's actually number one this year. I think I know we talked about it and um, yeah, I, a, I a assume show. he has a lot of fans over there. Although he's from he's the Dutch, I guess. Right. Yeah, he's, yeah, Dutch. he's Dutch. Uh, but we were going to talk about it earlier. The Danes gave us uh, Kevin Magnuson. Oh, I thought he was Swedish. No, well, that's Kevin, great. Uh, I like Kevin Valtteri Botas is Swedish. Or Finnish. Uh, okay. No, he's Finnish. Yeah, okay. Uh, no, Magnuson is uh, is Danish. So, yeah, well, I watched that show. having a hell show. of a year, man. No kidding. I watched that show, uh, Drive to Survive. Ah, uh, the Netflix uh, series, yeah. Let me say, Michael. Yeah, fill me in. I don't, I don't know this one. It's Netflix decided in 2018. Am I right? Yeah, this this most recent one was season four, I think. Yeah. Uh, they so do in 2018, year. Netflix was like, you know what's really hard for people to get into? Formula One racing. They weren't wrong. Okay. Yeah. Very right about that. And so they're like, what if we made a show that was not exactly a documentary about Formula One, but instead we just sort of showed people the drama that is formula one i don't know if you'll remember but a couple years ago jj and i were talking about rich energy oh okay yeah and the craziness surrounding the owner and like it basically this uh, energy drink company basically trying to scam an f1 team into getting their is it even really a company? That's the thing I That's like, couldn't the thing. figure out. Right. So stuff like that apparently happens kind uh, of... Hold on. Before we get off this topic really quick, there's an automotive journalist putting out a book about the rich energy thing specifically. Oh, wow. I think it comes out later this year. Oh. Plug to... I think it's called like the rich energy book. And it has like interviews with all the people surrounding it, except obviously the rich energy people because they're probably trying to sue or so whatever yeah um so anyway people should check that out um yes continue please yes uh, nothing as scammy as that but the drama around formula one is apparently thick most of the time and is why a lot of people are actually fans of it i will tell you the show manufactures that a bit I, more than it is just getting just getting to that yeah. which is basically what netflix decided was like we could take this theory that I, people have about the drama and like instead of making a documentary that is what you would normally see of a sports documentary let's netflix it up and like make they, it they soap it up man make it seem a lot like of this soap opera in there there's a lot of drama going on all the time <laughs> and it plays actually really well <laughs> the series is mega popular you guys I, I don't know if you know it like has a ton of fans i it, i think I count- people have said that that show is single-handedly responsible for how popular f1 is in the u.s now which is like way way more popular than it ever has been i would not be surprised i am a fan of that show it's interesting who they follow and who they talk to the most and all that sort of stuff it's only the people that give you basically the headlines so like they only talk to daniel ricardo and they only talk to uh (laughs) what the principal of red bull and the people that like don't make that much noise like max verstappen is really good right yeah he's hardly in the show because he doesn't (laughs) doesn't make that so, many waves he just races were you watching the most recent season so i have not finished the most recent season yet but is that the one you're watching i started on plane flight number one on episode number one of season one okay and so are you to season four then i at have this point? started season four i am like three episodes into it so something you may not know about this most recent season at some point during this past year Max stopped talking to the Netflix people. Oh, he made a point of saying that he didn't like 
how the drama was being manufactured and how he was being portrayed in some instances and decided he wasn't going to cooperate with them or sit down for their interviews or anything anymore. Well, and there's like other drivers that do that too. It's not, he's not the only one who like refuses to talk to them. Not that like he, not that the drivers hate them or whatever, but well, there's definitely know, times in there like where they say, Oh great. Netflix is here. We're going to have bad luck this weekend. Yeah. So there's that, uh, th- all sports have a little bit of that uh, superstition going on. I'm uh-huh. sure you guys all know. And yep. there is a sense that the Netflix team follows bad teams because they want the drama. I would not put it that way. I have I understand exactly what they're doing. And that is that they follow the, the people that actually have drama. They follow Mercedes quite a bit. Oh, they yeah. follow Red Bull quite a bit. And neither of those teams are bad. Um, they follow the teams that are going to give you interesting stories, which is why they don't follow Williams hardly at all. Being the second to last place on the grid every year is being, not interesting. Well, right. being second to last every year, not moving anywhere, not having good drivers, not doing anything interesting and just basically surviving all the time. Right. Like what is interesting for Netflix about that? Instead, they pick the people in the middle and they manufacture the drama about like season three was all about the, uh, the stealing the brake ducts for, for uh, Aston Martin. Oh, yeah. Right. And, and it was a huge controversy even in like sports journalism of F1 at the time because it was like, hey, they kind of just copy pasted that other car. Is this like even legal? <laughs> <laughs> and people were like, why don't we just do this? <laughs> like, well, <laughs> Aston Martin made a good point. Why don't you just do it? And, uh, I think that happened with that DAS system or whatever, where they uh, they started. Mercedes. Oh my god! Tell tell Michael what this is, Michael. This is like the most Michael? ingenious rule bending cheat. Okay. Michael, it's you're not, not allowed cheat. within the rules. You're not allowed to let the car steer itself, and okay. you're not allowed to change how the car steers mid race. Okay, but if if the car just so happens to be able to realign its wheels while it's moving. That might just sort of be within the rules. Because no, 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 not like oh, not just like the car can magically choose to do it. The no, no, oh yes, oh yes. It's yeah, not. It's not the that thing. the car can just sort of choose to do it. It's that maybe the steering wheel moves in and out when the driver pushes on it or pulls on it, uh-huh. and, that, and that causes the tires to is it camber? If you're looking at the the tires from the top down, it cants them towards each other. Yes, uh, so it must be. Yeah, camber. what's the word? Yeah, I don't. I don't know the proper word, but essentially, like it allows them to control the angle of the tire with respects to the other tire. Like pull them, not not physically closer together, but angle them closer together. So you can't you can't let the car do that automatically, right? Like you, a car can't detect like that traction you, control is banned. Yeah, right? like there just isn't traction control. It's not allowed. Right. But, like, if you were turning, the wheels couldn't respond in a different way while you're turning automatically. And right? it's not automatic. The driver no, is doing okay. something. Yeah, but it's not automatic it, right? if if you're, you know, managing it with this system that, you know what I mean? It's like every single rule is a rule bend. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> what was the thing with, um, I love how Netflix, like, is like, oh, yeah, last year one of the teams kind of cheated. Uh, but we weren't going to mention it until we got to the Ferrari episode the season later, where it was like Ferrari uh, had to uh, have the rules, quote unquote, clarified for the fact that they were pumping too much gasoline into the engine. <laughs> there was a uh, one of the teams asked. This is the way. This is why. People oh, yeah. Tell, tell them the process. This is the most. Tell, tell them the process for like, hey, most, like you're cheating thing. So the the way that works is they don't they don't accuse the other team of cheating. A team asks the FIA, which is the ruling body of motorsport in you know in charge of Formula One and many other racing disciplines, and they say, "Hey, if we did this, would it be legal?" And they publicly ask, right? They go, okay. "Hey, everyone, we're asking the FIA if we did this, would it be legal?" 
knowing that another team does it and that it likely or, isn't sh- sure or that's sure, what sure maybe that's what they that's what they're certainly implying right uh-huh. and then if the faa comes back and says like yeah this is fine then all the teams will have it done next week <laughs> right yeah or silently one team will just all of a sudden be a lot worse next week uh-huh. oh it's not silent no 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 it's not silent the fia puts out a thing that says just to clarify since red bull asked no, you can't put more than X amount of gasoline into the engine by changing the fuel pipe to a certain size at this angle because the rule says this. We are we're sorry this was unclear. Oh. Hmm, interesting. Now Ferrari's running in 7th place instead of 3rd, <laughs> right? And it's like they don't say like Ferrari doesn't announce anything or whatever. All of a sudden they're just back in 7th like at the end of the next week. <laughs> Or whatever it's it was and the the specific cheat they were accused of using was related to like mixing oil and fuel somehow in like a cheaty kind of way. Anyway, the like, other like the other said, funny... it's all like super technical, but they're just like ah, there's a hole here, and like everyone like they try to cram as much power through every hole as possible. Right? Well, the right. other funny thing that they show you is like the behind the scenes of of the team leaders talking to each other, being like, hey, uh. You know, I have to do this sort of a protest thing now because of this thing that you did, right? And they'll be like, yeah, of course you do. Why w- You would be a bad team leader if you didn't protest this. Uh, so instead of what JJ was saying earlier with the, like, j'accuse moment, uh, the other option is that you say, like, hey, so um, FIA, I protest that this uh, team did this other thing that I don't think we should be allowed to do. Like, oh, what do you think? And they'll be then the FIA is like, it, oh, it really yeah. is like petty like this. <laughs> and it's like, oh, you accused us of cheating? Uh, excuse me, FIA. Uh, I heard that you could spend more money than is allowed if you do this one certain thing. And like, it's, it really is like tit for tat like that. There's it's tattling. So much of that. All, it's all tattling. It's tattling. It's all tattling for sure. Yeah. And it is a like, and so like it feels from the outside as you see this stuff happen. And and last year in the sport, which would be season four, that's covered on the show. Yeah, season four. The show two years. No, season the four show, would cover the the, yeah. the most recent year, right? This sh- season four covers everything up to the current season, which is only two races in. Yeah. Okay. So the last year was different in that. So here's the other thing: it's that the beginning is of the not, first. It's the oh oh man, tell. Oh man, Michael! This is the thing that's not <laughs> as apparent about Formula One Michael, as a sport. How like, good would the Patriots One, be if you could spend five hundred million dollars on your roster? Probably pretty good. How how yeah. bad would the, would the rest of the teams be if you? Could? <laughs> so yeah, kind of Formula One confusion. has this component that is like both the technical development of the car in relation to the rules and the actual on-track racing. And so, like, the cars aren't equal. And it's not even... Like, they don't even try. Like, they don't want them to be equal. So, like, some teams are just going to be better than other teams. There are rules that say how the car... It's like NASCAR, you know, all the cars have to be shaped the same and all that. Uh, But then beyond that, it's like, yeah, other than these 10 parts... What is it, 10 parts that are listed? there's so many rules dude yeah. i can't but there's like, <laughs> like there's so basically they say well the car has to be this rough shape and it has to have open wheels and these 10 parts have to be these types of equivalents and after that uh, you know spend whatever amount of money you want to develop the car was the previous and, rule and the most recent set of rules ignoring this current year uh all of these cars were v6 turbo hybrids which means they all have electric power also and so, like, a large part of the development was, like, okay, you, the, all these people know how to make, like, V6 engines at this point. Like, that's a not new. But how you combine that with this electric power so that you can, you know, use both at the same time was, like, a huge part of it. And Mercedes has dominated this V6 turbo hybrid area for sure. a super okay. long time. And so the actual on-track racing has not been good for many years except last year when there was an actual fight at the top. Like last year, there was a question who would win the championship 
spoiler alert, all the way down to the last race. Because and that, of a rule change. And that is new for the sport. Like, generally, the top of the sport is not interesting. The people that win are, like, known months and months ahead of time. And so all the midfield where where they're filming and stuff is where all the in, the action is even, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was and McLaren so, yeah. was the big story in season three of, like, Michael, McLaren being I've heard being of like them. being like oh yeah we got third place this year woo and that was like the big drama for Netflix to follow was like will this team that copied Mercedes car beat McLaren and they're like oh yeah and by the way Red Bull and Mercedes won a lot of races <laughs> that we're yeah. not even going to talk about because they were hundreds of points away from all the other teams sure when your team is like getting one two or two, three, or whatever, every race, and then everyone else starts low. You know, it's starting, like, your highest place you can get is five. It's going to be pretty tough to catch up to the guy you know, who's getting ones and twos every race. But, you know, there's a lot I, I, I get, and this is what I wanted to ask you about with the show, was, like, it's very obvious that there's a lot of manufactured drama, especially when they get access to the teams, and the only thing they keep coming up with every season is, like, these two teammates hate each other. And it's like, it really, it's, I don't think it's that bad, man. Uh, and I and I think the drivers would tell you that's true. I don't think any of the drivers hate each other. Like, no, that's, there's 20 of them. It's like one of those things where, like, there's 20 of these guys in the entire world. Eh, 30 if you count the backup drivers. Right. It It is How definitely... You, you know, I mean, I'm sure there are guys that hate each other. I'm sure there's a lot of dudes that closet hate Lewis Hamilton... I'm sure there's a lot of, you know, like animosity for for I mean, top you know, drivers. There, and especially there are like incidents on track where, you know, and that happens in the real races. Like a guy crashes into another guy and you incur millions of dollars of expense having to rebuild these cars, you know, and especially for the guy who got crashed into like what what was he supposed to do this other guy drove into the side of him and i'm sure he's not happy about that yeah yeah but you know you don't come out then guns blazing to the media you know like the worst thing they'll say was like oh i don't think i was at fault you know this was you know unfortunate this happened to me like that kind of stuff they don't ever say like that guy's terrible he shouldn't be racing like well, it's i don't interesting think that... he's safe like all that kind of stuff so it's interesting you bring that up did you have you ever watched to drive to survive no, I haven't. Okay. Uh, it's interesting that you bring up the crashing and, and that sort of thing. Cause one of the things they do is they follow, uh, Alex Albon, who was a driver for, uh, Red Bull, I guess. Mm -hmm. And, uh, one of the time the, they show a couple races where he's on the, he's like, oh, he's going to get the podium for third. And you can never really be sure that it, actually that's, true like netflix may be kind of making up how close he was to actually getting to the podium but they make a point to show lewis hamilton in multiple races pit maneuver him and knock him out of the race and that hamilton at one point gets multiple time violations for having done it multiple times to the same guy there is mm. a famous incident where he was going to get albon was going to get third place and Lewis Hamilton essentially crashed into him. Not he, Lewis would say not maliciously, um, you know, cause Lewis wanted to be third and was trying to pass and yada, yada, but like took him out of the race and, you know, Lewis's points were fine. He's has, is finishing first and second, almost every race. Yeah. You know, Albon was not, <laughs> and could have really used those third place points, but he might still be in the sport. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't want to tell you who the current lineup of drivers are because it's going to spoil maybe some stuff that happens at, for you there. But yeah, it's, uh, I think, you know, and then you'll watch all this and then you'll go look at formula one. Now they changed so much this most recent year. The cars look completely different. Oh, really? So the other yeah. thing, Michael, they're changing is that they are going to put a money cap on the sport to encourage actual racing yeah right the, the owners of the sport have instituted a cap this year along with the change in the regs for the man uh 
the new look cars. Yeah. Haas must be drooling. Andrew, the two yeah. races this year. Yeah. Haas got fifth place in one of them. Are you kidding me? No. Was it Magnuson? Oh, it was Magnuson. So, uh, Haas he was on his a, way to getting a, a high place in the second one too. He still ended uh, up pretty high. I do know as a spoiler that Haas, uh, that he was out because he gets kicked out in the third season. Uh, and I assume yeah, he, he replaced the Russian driver. The Nikita Mazepin that no one liked. Yes. Yeah. Uh, who they used. Did, they t- the, did the Netflix show talk about why no one liked him? No, not so far. In midway through season four or three episodes into season four, he hasn't really featured much other than being like, this is the new guy from Russia for Haas. He was very credibly accused of groping a woman. Uh by like posting a video of him doing it and then he didn't apologize. And then a bunch of people later came out and said like, Hey, this guy's a jerk and a creep. We hate him. Okay, good. So no big loss. That's good. Yep, exactly. Uh, (laughs) It was when the Russian sanctions came in, like his father is a owner of one of the giant Russian petrochemical companies. It was just like, well, later. Yeah. So it was made very clear, even by Netflix that he was there because his father was a sponsor and Haas needed a sponsor. To be clear, the father sports son into the race thing isn't that uncommon. No, so I mean like Aston Martin. For that Aston Martin has Lance Stroll, Stroll, right? Lance Stroll. Yeah, exactly. Who's literally the son of the guy who bought the team so that his son could race for it. <laughs> so that's not that uncommon. Like no. you can't fault them for that part, but you can fault them for the part of them so, know, supporting. Bruton. Michael, if you're now interested in F1. <laughs> <laughs> drive to survive is pretty dang good uh in uh, so much will... as okay oh, in so much as you have to take it with the they're they are playing up the drama as much as possible and it's somewhere in between you know uh, for me not having paid much attention to f1 just enough attention to, because some of our family loves it to be conversational it inspired questions for me like, oh, I should look up about this or I should look up about that. Or like now I want to ask JJ, is Lewis Hamilton a dirty driver or is he a normal no. driver that Netflix plays up? Because like multiple times they show him uh, doing an unsafe start from the pit lane and getting a 10 second penalty and calling that unfair. And like, are they making him look like a whiner or is he actually a whiner? Like, it doesn't seem like you can get a real answer. I would say that every driver thinks nothing is their fault. Generally, that's you know, very like, that's very clear that every driver thinks it, they're it Lewis is, Hamilton. It, it is extremely rare that anyone will admit that they did something wrong. Right? Yeah. Um. So you know, does does Lewis think he's a terrible driver? No. Oh, I don't but think like, he's a terrible. It's when, very clear he's not he a hit, terrible driver. He's won the most F one races of anybody alive or dead. Alive. Right, and you know. uh, Tied for the most world championships with Michael Schumacher. So, you know, like if you, you know, he would say that he's races clean and is always doing the appropriate things. But also when he hits you, (laughs) the other driver will say it's his fault. And Lewis will say, I was just racing hard. And is that wrong? Is it, is that how you win? Uh, It's interesting. Be right. Right. It's interesting that you can do it one way, but you can't do it the other way is what I would say. Right. Like if you hit Lewis Hamilton because you were racing hard, what would happen? Well, you'd look like a villain for crashing out the favored world champion. Right. Yeah. And also like on top of all of this is the like the teams have points separate from the drivers. Oh, yeah. So the teams have a vested interest in you. Like, so, like, you know, in a NASCAR race, right? You want to win and you have a team. Yeah. But like, it's not like shake and bake Ricky Bobby. (laughs) Like, (laughs) and in F1, it kind of is, though. Like, the team has a vested interest in whichever one of the two they think is faster getting more points. And they don't want you to race your teammate because if you crash into him, you're both out and we get nothing. Uh, right? Yeah. They show a lot of that of, I mean, they, it happens. They like really the, do. The drivers like, want to win. Yeah. And the team is like, you're going to pull over and let him pass. And they don't like it. And multiple times have crashed because they don't listen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that stuff is real. Like that you definitely hear like when you're, if you watch a race broadcast or something, you'll hear them like talking like, 
oh, you know, they're these two are dueling. Are they going to let them duel it out? Are they going <laughs> to tell them to stop? You know, or you know, those sorts of things definitely are things that happen. And you will eventually hear like radio messages from the teams. Okay, let so and so buy. He has a different strategy, or you know, whatever. Yeah, I it's a. Uh... It's an interesting strategy for the F1 sport to have let Netflix do this and for them to have let them continue despite maybe people not liking it inside of F1. Um, I suspect that, uh, well, I, I, I don't know, but I, I suspect if the if too many more drivers agree to stop talking to them, they won't have a lot of material to go on anymore and they might have to change directions. Um but you know who knows? I don't know. I'm not. I would Netflix. also suspect that, given the ratings boost they've gotten from it, the FIA will be like, "Nah, we're keeping this game going." Yeah, but like it, then they have to like switch to like a real sports documentary thing, which is then going to be different than. Well, what, what my point was right? going to be was, I, I was going to ask maybe Michael, uh, would you watch something like this for other sports? Because it seems like to me it's a genius idea. I mean, it, a little bit of it feels kind of like heart, the Hard Knocks series. Oh, Hard Knocks. That's a good point. Yeah. Where they, they kind of take not, not necessarily the worst team in the NFL, but the same sort of thing, like a team that has, has a storyline for them to follow and follows them in the offseason. God, maybe they should do Hard Knocks for F1. I think the interesting thing is that the, and maybe this is something that like I'm aware of because I'm more into the sport, but like, I think people don't realize how much personalities are driving what's going on in these circumstances. Like the team principals oh, man. cannot stop talking to the media. Like, oh my God. bro, sometimes the right thing to do is to shut up. And some of them <laughs> just want, ooh, microphone, hello. Like, yeah, let me, cannot, let me say what I have to say. They cannot stop themselves, I swear, some of them. And you would think they would know better, but... Yeah, it's part of why it like I think they ha- I think their egos are too big in some instances. Right. So at and some so point it is, it during the docu- at some point during the documentary in like season three beginning ish, Williams stopped talking to Netflix entirely. Uh, so they didn't even have like a send off when I guess the Williams family doesn't even run the team yeah, William- anymore. Yep. The the daughter sold the team to like a business interest. Yeah. I would think that baseball has got to be looking at this really hard. I would be if I was them. Man, there has got to be some good drama in baseball for sure. Oh, yeah. So many petty grievances that teams would air against each other. Some hybrid of this and hard knocks between the like maybe like five teams a year or something like that would like, okay, let's identify the five teams that are really going to be fighting it out this year or like let's do the. I don't know, AL West, or let's do the, you know, something. Yeah, you, They'd you have to narrow the focus. A division that plays each other a bunch, because then yeah. you get, like, you get to let the, oh, so-and-so's a dirty pitcher. We got to, you know, get back at him for hitting our guy three months ago or whatever, all that kind of stuff. Something. Uh, some sports would really benefit from this type of thing, as I now have an interest in F1 that I know was not, I know the documentary is not the thing. Right. Like, it's clearly not what it's like to actually watch F1. But, like, being like, ooh, I wonder if I watched a season of F1, who I actually would like as a driver. Like, do I like Verstappen? Do I like, you know, who? I don't know. So, JJ, we got to know who you this, who you root for. That's all. This, this weekend, uh, the Australian Grand Prix is at, like, 10 o'clock at night our time, which is reasonable by F1 standards, typically. <laughs> uh, so, you know, just, hey. Come check it out. Uh, last year, I rooted for Max over Lewis, uh, if that's the the question there. Yeah. Uh, mostly because I was rooting for the team that hadn't won. Not that I have any particular dislike of, of Lewis, but he had been, won the last like six world championships in a row. It is interesting to try and figure out which team you like because it's like, oh, do you go with Ferrari or do you go with, you know? Like- I think... I think the in previous years, I don't know if it's going to be true this year or not, but in previous years, there used to be this concept called Formula 1.5. What? And people would take the top two or three teams. And because like, like I said, the, the team, the stratus, the, like the stratosphere of teams is like the teams at the very top. No one is touching them. And then 
the middle field teams is where all the interesting stuff is. Yeah. And so you, you take the top teams out of the equation and pretend they don't exist. And you like start at fifth and be like, Oh man, my dude is getting seventh place from 14th. <laughs> Hell yeah. This guy is awesome. Yeah. There's, like, they showed a race a with a uh, thing like that. Yeah. What was it? It was Sergio Perez went from 18th to first. Yeah, dude. Crazy stuff happens, dude. Crazy stuff happens. Yeah. Well, maybe we should all root for Guybrush Threepwood next season. A true hero. The only hero if you're a fan of the Monkey Island series. How many people do you think even know what this is anymore? Oh, I'm sure that there is someone who's out there listening who's jumping up and down that we mentioned this finally. I mean, I'm excited about it. (laughs) And kudos to you. Uh, I think you mean clicking up and down. Wow. Yeah, PC games. Although, game. like I said, some no, you can't jump people... in the first game, right? Isn't it just a point and click? They're both. They're all point and clicks. Yeah, I, I did. I do think they came to the remake ones came to consoles, right? Right. But yeah the the original some of the original creators of Monkey Island One and Two are making a Monkey Island Three. Yeah, I wonder how they got around uh, Lucas Arts on this. Uh, Lucas Arts is named. In the opening teaser intro. <gasps> oh. so, is, um, so is the company. Uh, Ron Gilbert, the writer who did not come for Monkey Island 3 and beyond. Uh, and who's the other? some of the other writers, uh, the original voice, I think, of Guybrush Threepwood said he's coming back. Yes, they got him. And man, just what a... A out of left field. So... I read, did you guys read this? I mean, did, the guy, did they get Tim Schafer to come back? That's what I need to know. No, Tim Schafer is not involved that I know of. I see. Okay. Uh, the the guy... Um, shoot, I just forgot his name. The guy. Gilbert? Ron Gilbert. Ron Gilbert, thank you. Announced this on his blog on April 1st. What a oh, guy. cruel. He's never done an April Fool's joke before this. And he said many, many years ago at some point, someone recorded an interview with him and said, if I was ever going to do a Monkey Island game, I would never do it unless I own the IP rights. Right. He said that famously. Okay. And then he also famously said, and if I ever did, I would announce it on April 1st. (laughs) (laughs) What a guy. And the joke. And so if you people have seen that trailer, the joke is as that skull bounces onto the thing and says like Ron Gilbert said he wouldn't do a monkey Island unless, and like they throw him into the water. Uh, because obviously he doesn't own the IP. Like they're not giving it up. (laughs) Right. So they must've convinced him in some other way to come back. Um, but supposedly coming out this year, which is super cool, which means it's been in the works for quite some time under the wraps. I believe he said they've been working on it for two years already. Wow. And I think uh, should we even explain what Monkey Island is for the people that were born after 1990? I guess we should. I don't know. It's a point and click adventure. I mean, it's just (laughs) so. Do you need to explain what a point and click adventure is again? Anyone born after 1990 doesn't know what a point and click adventure is. And so, like, very specifically, though, it was these like two original beloved pixel art adventure games that when. The original creators left after the second one. The third version of the game, which is called, I think, uh, Curse of Monkey Island. Yeah. Completely revamped the art style and actually is like really famous in its own right. And like people really like. Oh, yeah. Curse of Monkey Island is good. Curse of Monkey Island is good. But the the creators said that they were going to start at Monkey Island 3. They didn't want to do because I think there were like five games or something. And they like they wanted to pick up where they left off at the end of the second one and continue their own story. And, you know, then he on Twitter made a point of saying, like, I like Monkey Island 3. It's not non-canon anymore. We're doing the thing. Y'all fi- figure it out. Like, you know, I'm not saying anything. But I, he also said, I am not above stealing the good parts of those games and you, incorporating the characters you love. And Do you think of Tales of Monkey Island gets included then? I don't know. I have no idea. Huh. Huh. I wonder so if I, I have like, these special editions. I got to double check. I, I heard those special editions are kind of bad. Oh. Okay. 
but the uh so anyway th- super cool that they're doing this and like that is just like the most like old school game like feel good announcement i think that could be made yeah i'm into that uh and hey if you were into vampire survivors like us you should listen to last week's pod because there was a lot of news on there that i didn't know so dude yeah bunch of new stuff coming your way man well it was fun talking formula one tonight sorry michael (laughs) it was illuminating you know, I really think that uh, someone somewhere has got to be looking at that and being like, every major sport needs one of these. Oh, shoot. I knew what I was going to say. I, I got sidetracked about Formula One. There is a podcast that I think is really great about Formula One that I listen to that people should check out. It's called uh, Shift F1. And okay. it's uh, it's three former or current video game guys who are big F1 fans and they talk about F1 stuff cool um and they have every year they do a they call it a primer on the current season that explains all the rules all the drivers who they are all the teams and all the like how the like how the sport works essentially and like teaches you from like a basic level up to like you know almost an intermediate level (laughs) like you know they're not going to explain to you how aerodynamics work and how like you know power steering and all this kind of stuff they don't explain that but like they teach you like what are tires? How does tire strategy work? What is the like the main interesting points of watching a race? How do I watch a race? All this kind of stuff. Um, super good. And uh, their preseason primer this year, I forget the number of the episode, but it's not that long ago because we're only a couple races in. So uh, you can go back in their feed and watch the primer for this current season and then pick up watching. Uh, they're on weekends. I don't know. Not every weekend, but frequently. It's like every other weekend. It's whenever they feel like doing it, man. I don't know. The schedule is like impossible. <laughs> the real question is to tie this back into video games, whether I need one of these setups so that I can play Formula One games. I linked it in the chat. I thought you were trying to declutter your office. Yeah, but look at that thing. <laughs> it's a lot cheaper than owning a race car iRacing is supposedly uh, very, very accurate, if that's what you're looking for. I've heard that iRacing is accurate, but not fun. Because I think if you were driving a real car, it's not fun. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, iRacing is as serious as, like, if you get penalties, you are penalized. Like, if you do stuff that would be illegal in real life, they penalize you in the game. And, like will demote your account and like stop letting you enter races and stuff. Yeah. If you're running into people all the time and stuff like that, they just ban you. Or like if you are overtaking people illegally or like doing moves that would get you penalties or whatever, they will like penalize you in not only in the race, but your account for driving unsafely. Wow. It's, it's very serious. Well, you need a serious setup like this one. It's one of those cockpits. It's really insane looking. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a cockpit basically the, the inside of an F1 car that you sit in and then put monitors in front of your face. I assume. Oh boy. Well, if people want to send us links to their F1 setup, Uh, they can send that to podcast at weweregamers.com, And that's our email address. We will check that email and uh, we talk about them every so often. So get those in. Uh, if you have sweet racing tips or whatever, send them there. And find us on your favorite podcasting app of choice. Uh, give us a rating on there. That would really help us out. And we are also on YouTube. If you search for We Were Gamers, all one word, and follow us on there, that would be a big help too. I love that. I, 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 the announcers they use for that show must be real, but they sound fake. Do they sound British? Oh, yeah. They're very British. Okay. Huge portion of F1's media and like uh machinery and like yeah. all British, like all based in Britain, like actually uh, ESPN typically or ESPN2 more likely carries the races here in the US and yeah. they straight up show the speed the feed from Sky Sports. Uh-huh. <laughs> so there you go. Um you know, you're getting full Britishisms. Lights out. Let's go racing. It's my bad 
version. I'll do another take later. They love to say people's names in such odd ways, and I I truly can't tell if that's how the driver would say it, but that guy says it that way. I definitely heard... Did you say Ricciardo? No, I, I was just that. about to say that. Like The guy's name is Ricardo, and I heard a dude say, Daniel Ricciardo. <laughs> oh, well, pain, painfully British. Yeah. The last year, mm-hmm. um, or I guess it was, this was a couple of years ago now, Lego House had its um, peak visitation, uh, annual visitation of 250,000 people. It's, so if if they continued at that rate, it would take them thirty six hundred years to go through every unique Lego combination. Okay, so imagine that you were driving from here to which one's further, Bakersfield or Barstow? Barstow, right? Uh, maybe. Which one's the farther one? Can't re- ever remember which one's the farther one. Yeah, I never remember just how far Barstow is. Yeah, Barstow is that one. Bakersfield's the other one. Okay, imagine you drove from here to Bakersfield or Button Willow. Okay. That's like what it's driving from oh my god it's actually even farther okay imagine driving from here to kettleman okay or fresno and just like fresno or kettleman is where there's an amusement park and a museum and this uh like discovery cube thing and that's all that's there I mean, that in and out in Kettleman may as well be a uh, an yeah. amusement park. And I don't mean that to sound like a there's nothing else there thing, but like from the major metropolitan area nearest to those places mm-hmm. with little else other than like in Kettleman, right? It's ranching. Uh, yeah, there's not much communities. around the town of Bieland where Lego land and Lego house and the Lego museum are because it was a ranching area. Like they were famous for milk and cattle. Like the, the place where Lego house is, is the center of town where they had cattle auctions. Okay. And now the entire town of Bieland is basically owned by Lego and they're, they have a humongous headquarters there, a huge factory, multiple old factories that are now office buildings, the Lego house in the center of town, which is literally where the old center of town was. They just took it over and knocked everything down. Lego land. The old museum where the guy grew up is now where his house is, is now a museum and the airport. Like that's, that's it. That's, that's the town of Beeland. You know, and all the people that live there and, you know, the old farms and, and rancher stuff. And it's, it's not small or anything like that. I don't mean to imply that it's small, but it, by, by the standard of where we live, it would be hard to get to a place as remote ish from a population center in terms of where we are at. So I'm trying to give you some context to what it feels okay. like driving there between a place like Copenhagen, which is, I mean, not near the population of Los Angeles, but you know, in terms of relative populations. Sure. Yeah. Um, Copenhagen's population somewhere in the millions. Once you add in all the suburbs and stuff, but the whole population of Denmark is only about 6 million. I think maybe a little higher. Um, so just it's hard to contextualize it in our scale of population in California. What is it? The entire country of Denmark, I think, um, 
size-wise fits in one of the two counties, whichever one's bigger, San Bernardino, Riverside, one of those two. Wow, okay. Phys- I think physically the space just fits there. It's not yeah. very big. It's like, so it's hard to really... Anyway, uh, it's hard to get more than 250,000 people to go out that far. Right? You Like, if you're going to go to Legoland, you have to fly there directly or take a car from Copenhagen or fly over from Copenhagen. Like, people it's from Germany. No matter how you slice it. Yeah. I mean, people from Germany and England and Sweden and Finland and probably france maybe fly there directly to go to legoland um and then you got to take into account that a lot of the people that go to legoland probably don't actually go to the lego house mm-hmm. um so it doesn't surprise me that the number is not that high uh per year so three hundred sixty thousand years huh Thirty six hundred. Thirty six hundred years sorry same difference at that point I mean, yeah, you will be able to reuse the combinations forever. Yep. I wonder if they have a computer system somewhere that makes sure it's not giving out doubles. I really hope. I would assume so. so. I would assume, right? Yeah. There's um There's a YouTube video about the brick combination thing. Um, and the six brick bag has its own Lego piece number. I think it's called, it's like six, two, four, two, zero, one or something like that. Oh, that's uh, cool. It's one of, it's got its own number. Like every other Lego. Every other bag. Set. Yeah. 915,103,776 combinations. I didn't factor in the 15, the extra 15 million. So a little more than 30. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So each one of us has our own special combo of how you put the bricks together. 